Welcome to Mecha Nations, a mecha anime critical analysis and rewatch podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ignis Maddox. This is a mistake. This Gundam is a mistake. And this is PMC Trilogy. Ignis, we can't tell Steven Hero that we put a Gundam pilot in the Gundam. We can't let him know. <laughs> Please contact Commander Trooper off for backup now. We can't tell him of this blunder that we've created, you fool. What is that, Lieutenant? Yeah, we could do that. All right. Um, hey. Hey. How's Inuyasha? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know why you keep bringing up Inuyasha I no on idea. our mech podcast. Yeah, on our mech podcast. I do not know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is it because of the Naraku Nataku thing? Because we do see Nataku again. It's true. Well, we see the the uh, the upgraded form. We'll right. Discuss yes, the the Ultron Gundam. Yeah. Spoilers, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, any uh, any mech related sort of news you wanted to bring to our 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 Marin today, our Mecha Marin? Yeah. So I had mentioned last week that I was planning on playing Slave Zero which was a 1999 uh well i had been saying infogrames like like a phonetic dummy it's i've seen it or heard it now pronounced infogram which is maybe because it's again european publisher so it could be a word from some language man yeah it's infogram you know that could be it right because that makes that makes more sense than infogrames infogrames sounds like some sort of like i mean infogrames i mean we're we're fine i guess yeah i don't know infogrames could have been it could have been it but slave zero so i finished i finished the casual playthrough in one night i think it took me like a little under four hours and then uh and then i spent one night just kind of doing like first attempts at speed runs uh had some difficulty with some of the out of bounds clips which i think i've since then resolved i've, I've probably tried those a little bit offline there's so the game has a mechanic where you can mantle onto ledges where there's like a clear climbing animation and certain objects in the game don't really handle this gracefully in mm. particular in one level there are some doors which are faithfully represented as two objects sliding onto each other. But because one of those objects, um, you know, it's like, uh, I guess the way I would describe it is, you know, like one slanted surface sliding onto another slanted surface. So that that bottom slanted surface, that that surface that is under the other one, Uh it is possible for the Slave Zero character to climb onto that surface and into the wall. Great. Very good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so I think I, I ended up finishing one run. I had, I had one. Uh, it crashed on me once at the end of the game. So I only finished one. It was like an hour and 10 minutes and 55 seconds. And sure, that'll go down. It definitely has strong, um, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, strong uh, PlayStation 2, or no, I'm sorry, PlayStation and N64 vibes. Uh, it reminded me a lot of, what is that N64 Destruction Core? Blast Core. Blast Core. Destruction Core. Yeah, Blast Core uh, actually, now that you mentioned, I do think Blast Core actually has some mechs. Blast Core might be a mech game. Yeah, Blast yeah. Core definitely has at least one mech in it. But yeah. the, the way that um, in, the, in that era, the, the 3D action game was just being figured out, it, it definitely reminds me of that. It very much seems like your shit. I, I'm curious, though, the how much uh, and it's something that you know we would have to ask the people who developed it mm-hmm. i would curious though how much the 3d limitations created the mech design or vice versa because of the way that the arms are move and i understand like this is stuff that i i believe is played into in the game itself like i, I was curious how much like did they start out with an ape design and then work backwards or what influenced what i would have to imagine that i mean 
I mean, now this is getting into potentially fraught and problematic territory, but, mm. you know, a lot of the design of the setting of Slave Zero is this huge uh, mega city that has a lot of light, what I would call, you know, 90s anime influences on it. Sure. Much, it's sort of a, a much lighter touch than, say, Shogo, for example, which yeah. is very explicit. It still had some Gundam ass noises. Yeah. And also that the main villain is the Sovereign Khan or the Sov Khan. So there's, you know, more, more explicit, uh, you know, imagery there sure and so i you know i almost wonder if uh, they were attempting to capture some sort of uh animalistic type thing with that design you already mentioned ape as a you know sort of a, a go-to for comparing the way that the the, you know, the arms are the long floor. and almost reach down to the, the feet and the very big uh you know knife fingers the yes. sort of like yeah. uh, the the type zero from uh from pat labor movie yeah i mean it's um I don't know. I'd be curious. I think the thing that's interesting for for me, too, is also this is one of those games that was very much put together as uh, as an attempt to sell an engine. A lot of the marketing material for this game advertises the ecstasy engine sure, sort of, of a similar manner to how people might have been advertising the engines used for Unreal or Quake or other games. Right. Of course, this is the only game that ever got made using the ecstasy engine. And that's probably more for business reasons than necessarily, you know, a first game made an engine. I'm sure you're always going to have sure, rough course. edges. Yeah. And I mean, like, it seems like proof of concept. The reason I bring it up at all is that it reminds me of, um, I'm sure you've heard uh, when, when Pixar was v- developing its first feature film, you know, that they were creating people and they, they found the, the people didn't quite look real or fake enough. And they, they looked more like toys and they went, Hey now, Hey now, Let's let's go ahead and uh, why don't we why don't we uh, yeah. lean into that? Hey, now you're a Toy Story. Yeah, get your game on. But the that I, I just wonder, especially when you're so you know you're a someone who's developing 3D games and you're you release a game. You know, I don't know how much they would be aware of this at this stage of game development. But like Metal Gear Solid came out that year. You know, 3D games are starting to get good. Like it, you know, and previously the market really is like looking for like whatever 3d game you can make mm-hmm. right like yeah you, you know you could say during that era like whatever you could release as long as it's in 3d would see units sold so you saw a lot of like i don't want to say like crap but mm. you know oh yeah a lot of things that were sort of 3d for the sake of being 3d right. i mean you during that time period especially in the few years before that you had both sony and sega of america that were notorious for insisting upon as many 3D games as possible right. for the PlayStation and the Saturn. And really, you know, it was much to the detriment of, of pretty much everyone. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. You, you, you know, there, there are games that are, are PAL only uh, or JP only that really, you know, shouldn't have been. You yeah, know? And certainly absolutely. we can, both of us can point to plenty of PS1 games and Saturn. Well, we can't. I don't think we know the Saturn library quite as well no. as PS1, but certainly Fuck 2D no. PS1 games yeah, uh, that are very good and have, have held up over the years. Yeah, just be curious. It's just because it doesn't seem like, and you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of talk about this today with the Gundam Wii episodes mm-hmm. we talk about, but it just didn't seem like there was a lot of like, and this isn't a criticism. This is why it just reminded me of this thing. It just didn't seem like there's a lot of reason for that other than like and so i could see them developing a model like whatever their action model would be and just being like oh well this kind of looks like a robot right do you know what i mean like yeah this is this is a thing this is what we came up with when we were developing the technology so we're just gonna run with it yeah exactly like and it's not a criticism sort of thing i just like one let's say off the back i like the design i was Mm -hmm. like wow that's a cool idea 
Wow, cool robot. Wow, cool robot. <laughs> um, but it made me think, like, you know, because it, it, that's not really the game isn't about, like, you know, it doesn't introduce, like, oh, we, we produce these animalistic designs because we found that, that within nature there is logic. I don't know. You, you could find some kind of wanker right, right. to justify yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it seems cool though. Like I, 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 I will say, cool. don't I? I, uh, I do have recently acquired a Dreamcast oh, with, yes. with the GDMU, <laughs> and I did try to play the Dreamcast port of this game again. This is a 1999 game, so of course there was a Dreamcast port, and it is real sad. Yeah, it doesn't seem. I really enjoyed all of your updates in the uh, your your uh, your channel uh, chat on Discord when it comes to. The, the sort of tomfoolery that the controls are, have, have to offer for uh, Slave Zero. Yeah, it was really strange. The, so, you know, Slave Zero, it really originally designed as a PC game and later ported to Dreamcast. And so and on PC, you know, the fall controls, WSAD, mouse to look, you know, pretty standard. What we would think of as your normal first person or third person action controls on PC. Yeah, why would it be anything else? Sure. But... Uh, at this point, I think we're not quite, you know, 1999, we're not quite to that point of standardized two sticks. And, of no. course, the Dreamcast controller literally does not have two sticks. No. And so you you had just basically four or five, I think it was four or five very bad ideas. Of course, yes. For how to control what is essentially a third-person PC action game on Dreamcast. Now, and it was a nightmare. Yeah, no. This is a thing that... Like I, I know that the the the, the obvious mainstream example would would be to point to the original Xbox's Halo as like the kind of the first time that console dual sticking got done really 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 right. No, hold on. I know. I, you, I know, know you know. I know the history. Yeah, so yeah, please continue. Yeah. So I, I I can see in your face like all the things because what I was going to yeah. say is that of course there are antecedents to yeah. this. Of course, of course there are yeah. examples of dual stick first. I mean, people are going to say time splitters. People are going to talk about there are jank ass. PlayStation 1 ports of Doom and Quake that do include dual stick controls. But this is before dual sticks, because Aliens is the thing people right. always point right. to. Right, that's the game that, that the French developed Alien Resurrection game, I think it was, yes, that, that people usually cite as like, this is their default control scheme, and this is how... And of course, then you're right, Time Splitters, Halo, so forth, right. really solidified it. Right, and, and that's the thing I was going to get to, was that the, what, what signifies that particular one is the fact that it was the default control scheme. Because mm-hmm. even the ones I mentioned that were on like PlayStation 1 and were ports of like fucking PC Doom or Quake yeah. 1 or whatever that had the option, it was still like... Yeah, and I think what's also worth pointing out, too, is that games like Doom and... Uh, like you know, original Doom and and other and, you know, and of course they right. don't really care so much about looking up and down as well. Right. You know, you really need that fully polygonal environment to really give a damn about because the way the way like Doom, for example, handles verticality. Right. No, yeah, it is truly scary. That's right. That's my point, though, is that yeah. there are, there are antecedents. There are like if you want to get super technical, yeah. like because there's there's a control scheme for what I I want to say Quake Two. Where you the the way it works is that you have two controllers, mm. and and the second controller sort of acts like the second thumbstick kind okay. of, and and that seems like something that that is it's it's that meme that they're so close, yeah, they're yeah. almost there. Right. <laughs> what if I'm saying yeah. controller though? Of course, the other thing with PS One as well is that. You create difficulty if you actually commit to the the dual sticks thing, right? And that's why, yeah. like, famously, Ape Escape is brought up as this like, yep, you got to have dual shock, you right. know? Right? Of you course. can't screw around. 
Man, do you can you remember like you know all the the dumb physical things they would release for consoles, and you know like I'm not saying they've stopped doing that. Of course, I think that the Wii has kind of made everyone like, oh, we we've gone too far. <laughs> like the, the sheer amount of I'm I'm sure because you you weren't like a a Wii gamer so mm, to speak. Yeah, no, no. or gamist. Yeah. A, Although a I'll tell you now, adopt. my my partner moved in with her Wii, and she has a surprising number of peripherals the, for that thing. The, there is a shocking, I yeah, would say, shocking yeah. is the word I would say, is amount of peripherals for the the, the Wii. Yeah. Um, no shame. I'm not throwing any shade here. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Many exist. I mean, I think it's a long history, too, though, because I think it kind of carries over from, I think maybe last week or the week before, we had talked a lot about consoles versus arcade, especially in the 90s, and I think the number of peripherals, uh, you know, were especially popular late 90s early 2000s because i think you know they're they're thinking about that arcade experience and all the unique exactly. things that you'd get from the arcade experience uh and i one of the streamers i used to f- uh, follow a lot piri piri was the sort of person who would collect weird controllers so you had like the Negcon, you know you know the Negcon. i it sounds familiar that's, which one is that's that? the namco one where you can twist yeah, it to yes. do the, the analog mm-hmm. steering yes. yeah that's yeah, there is a, a channel I follow called Stop, Stel- Stop Skeletons from Fighting, an excellent channel where that recently released a video with one Ego Raptor, Aaron Hansen, where uh, the channel host uh, and Aaron were uh, playing games with incorrect controllers. Okay. Um, and one of the ones, it wasn't that controller, but it was another Namco controller where the steering wheel, the the control stick was a, a steering wheel like slider. Like you imagine something like a like a slider you would find on a bop it and and attach it to this to act as the steering wheel. They tried to use that on games that wouldn't have steering wheels and such like that. One of the best was um there's a first person shooter that they play that works mm. and they just spin in place. <laughs> it's extremely good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely check out Stop Skeletons for Fighting. It's a great channel. Um Cool. Do you think you could use that steering wheel to control Wing Zero? Oh no. I mean I mean it, I feel like Swing Zero is is specifically designed to still be effective even if it still spins in place mm-hmm. thanks to Catra's right. you know uh, guns out right since of, you can take the one big gun right. and take the the duct tape off <laughs> and split it and in it'll half. be two guns exactly. that are both very effective I like still. how I, we're not in the episode yet but I do like how it drops that Catra just sort of lost the laser that they know they just never found it <laughs> it's just in space somewhere um but yeah no uh, before we get into that I'm I'm going to do a boop 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 boop, boop, boop Quick, quick Final oh. Fantasy fourteen update to see oh. if there are any mechs yet. Okay, uh, and uh, TLDR no, but the uh, you know I'm I'm making my way through it. Uh, I'm I'm not not enjoying it. You know, it's one of those things, and I think I so you are enjoying it. Well, so let me explain because you you know PMC, you're, you're not one for the MMO, so mm-hmm. you you don't really have a, a you know a starting idea of what kind of experience that is. Yeah, right? and something that I think. And and I learned this talking to you about it, actually, because I, I, I made a, a joking suggestion that I'm not going to talk about on air in case I actually do it. Because it actually happens. I'm not going to talk about it on air. You know, there you don't really have... And I'm not accusing you of anything. Mm, I'm saying yeah. that you have... It about, like, you don't really know what that gameplay experience is like. You no. don't, like, you know, the only thing you know is what you've heard you know yeah. mutual friends talk about as far as i'm concerned the closest i've gotten is probably xenoblade chronicles maybe y- even that is like you know still probably far away you're talking still about like the the strict mechanical experience there mm-hmm. like the, like that doesn't you, you, you the sort of gameplay experiences you would have playing the original xenoblade would be akin to what you would do in an mmo and the sort of 
like active way you play it is similar in that you enter commands and you watch the commands be executed rather than a real real time combat yeah. system. Um but the way that that MMOs work traditionally is that you you start as a, a low level character and you you do tasks in order to get to maximum level. And once you're at maximum level, you engage in end game activities. And the thing that you've you've heard our our mutual friends talk mm-hmm. about are exclusively end game activities. Right. So here's the thing about uh, MMORPGs. And, and and in fact, you could probably stretch this to most massively multiplayer games, but I mostly only have experience with MMOs, RPGs rather, um, is that there's a, a section of the audience that considers the end game content like the main content of the expansion or of the of the game and mm. the, and it's not unfair to say that because if you if you weigh the amount of time you will spend in the game most of it probably will be an end game cuz eventually you you need to you have to stop leveling like you run out of levels to level anymore um but honestly MMOs are um, you've probably heard this comparison before, or, you've, or you, you know, it's an easy one to talk about how, how MMOs are the first live service games where, okay. uh, you know, you you pay a subscription fee and what it gives you is access to a gaming space. And, you know, most people regard the level le- leveling into the endgame content, into engaging into the endgame content, the point, quote unquote, of, of the game. And a lot of these games have, like, the for me, these were kind of... OG sandboxes, right? Where the whole point is really, and I, I believe probably this is quote unquote developer intent. The, the whole point is to engage with it in the way that you find entertaining. Yeah. And the nice thing about Final Fantasy 14 in particular, and the reason why I bring all this up is because it, it really is, if you're someone who's into JRPG storytelling, then you it'll give you that. And, and that's, I've been enjoying so far. It's not like, I, I one of the things that's nice about it centering on your character is that it's something that MMOs have a hard time of doing. So obviously, the idea of an MMO is that you're in a fantasy world, right? But because it's a video game, in order to keep you invested, for better or for worse, they you know it's a power fantasy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it can't be a power fantasy if everyone's empowered, and and you know and and. I mean, depending on who you ask, I still think that's a power fantasy. But you, you see what I'm saying, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's this thing of where the the story of the game can never really acknowledge your player character. You're always going to be outside of it because it, it, this is something that World of Warcraft struggles with a lot. And I actually think at this stage of its life, is the friction of this is causing it to implode a little mm. bit. Um, and Final Fantasy XIV sidesteps this really well by just doing something that, that WoW has started doing in its late life, which is just incorporating your player character into mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. Um, and Final Fantasy has an easy way of doing this because of the Warrior of Light yeah. plotline. Right. That's just what they can call you. They could just be like, oh, you're Warrior of Light. And right. it's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, finger guns. Exactly. Right. You're pretty good. <laughs> um, and they've done that well. I've, I've enjoyed the... It's very MMOE, and and I it's hard for me to convey all the things that that means. But I've done my first multiplayer dungeon as a, a healing class, and I didn't. I, I thought it was you know this is early level. Like I'm I'm 23 right now, and and the max level right now I think is 80. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that stage, like I know you don't have context for that, but at that stage, nothing is too difficult. They don't ask you to really like 
push the mechanics of your class very much. You're still learning it. Like you don't have all your spells yet. Um, and I'm still, I'm still invested. You know, that's not the main thing I'm playing right now. The main thing my, you know, now my partner and I have finished Phoenix Wright three. We're moving on to the next, you know, which is a, a JRPG that uh, I like to call Xenosaga. Um, but I, I don't want to. Um, I, I've been taking notes about that, but I don't want to. I will talk about Xenosaga for, mm. for if, if at least eight and a half entire hours, if, yeah, if allowed. Right, to. if so, allowed to for sure. So I'm, I'm gonna maybe I'll turn that into something for the show. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've, I have plans for that, but it's. I'm enjoying it a lot. Let's just say that. Yeah. Speaking of enjoying things. Speaking of enjoying things. Why don't we? Why don't we transition to something? I don't know. Would you say you enjoyed these episodes? I would say I was mostly blindsided by them. I, I yeah yeah I I think that we had talked about in 23 and 24 enjoying this idea of sort of. Gundam Wing refocusing on a new plot line. Man. And that plot line that we described as being sort of the threat of Zero and the elements of the Zero system exists, sort of, in, yeah. in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is not center stage. I really, really? I really hate how... So, two weeks ago, I was like, oh, Hilda is going to die and not going to matter. And then last week, I was like, oh, I really appreciate how they're simplifying the terms of the conflict. And it, we aren't like, oh, there's Oz and Alliance and not Alliance. And, and you know, this week, you know, they complicate it all over again. It's it's a, a new faction. I don't even want to say it was going to say third or fourth. But at this point, it, I don't even know. It, it's hard to say anymore. And I don't know. You know, we're going to get to it when we get to the end of this episode because we do have one more week of episodes before uh, Stephen Hero returns to... Because I, I went ahead and watched uh, uh, 27 and 28. Okay. I'm not convinced there's a podcast worth of yeah. material to discuss with no. those, so we'll have to figure something out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you might not be right. yeah. In any case, so let's talk about episode 25 and 26. Catra versus Hero. Hero and Catra fight. In the process of the battle, Troa sacrifices himself in order to prevent Catra from destroying the colony and Hero. Meanwhile, Tuberoff has finished the construction of a mobile doll factory on the moon, and Romafeller is poised to be beginning the process of taking over the Earth's sphere. Before all of Romafeller, Trace makes a speech announcing that he cannot support the path they are on. Lady Onan and the Trey's hardcores assault the lunar base and begin to free the Gundam pilots, who Lady Onan and Trey's have always thought were the coolest, which isn't really untrue, but doesn't make it less stupid. The Gundam pilots escape, and our reward is Death Scythe Hell and Ultron, shiny new toys we finally get to see in action. In the end, Lady Onan is shot by Tuberoff, and the battle between Hero and Catra ends in something of a stalemate. The uh, next episode, it turns out a great deal of Oz was in it more for the Trey's cult of personality than strict authoritarianism as a rule, and rebelling against Romafeller forces and the mobile dolls. A faction of these Trey's boys ally with the science creeps and help rescue Catra and Hero. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Trant has, has discovered... What a name. <laughs> Trant has discovered that the Wing Zero Gundam has a cockpit system that increases the combat capabilities of its pilot. A zero system, if you will. Tuberoff has no interest, <laughs> but Trant 
<laughs> but Trent is Oz or former Oz or whatever and knows something valuable when he sees it. He surrounds the Trey's hardcores and demands they surrender the Gundam boys for testing. The science creeps basically say, Lamal, okay, knowing that Hero will go berserk and kill them all. That starts to happen, but Catra, allegedly all too aware of the si- damage the Zero system causes, succeeds in stopping Hero before he goes on a rampage. They decide to return to Earth, and the science creeps marvel at their own survival, confident that the Gundam boys will eventually overcome the Zero system eventually. I I didn't talk about 26 as much because we're going to get there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this week was um, more... Okay, so... Uh, I started out with the enjoyment question because uh, it, this week really is, in a way, the end of an era, right? And and I guess I wasn't really aware of it until we discussed off mic um, because I thought we had already passed the threshold of the baton being passed to a different crew of writers here. But no, 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 this is the point here, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that is going to... Uh, that's gotta. That's gotta explain why they were so panicky, right? Like this lady owns stuff. Would like we were panicking, right? Like this is a whole story that that neither of us have any clear memory of, and it's it's. Oh man, definitely not even the craziest thing now. Like at this point, and I don't know if we're just used to it. I don't know if it, it's just because this week really introduces something that I feel like is tough, mm-hmm. right? Because, yeah. and we'll get to it eventually as we talk about the episode. But I really feel like. I don't know about you, but I, I really struggled with the Trey's speech in 25. And not just because, not just because this week, like I'm this week, I'm not going to talk about how the translation is literal and that makes the adaptation terrible and incomprehensible. Like I'm going to just going to talk about wh- what I think the actual substance of the show is trying to say, even though this, it's going to be a struggle because, and I think you'll agree much of Trey's speech is incomprehensible because it's phrases that don't follow each other logically. Like, do you think that's an unfair? No, I think that's right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And so the thing that he's essentially announcing there, I I feel like it's something like, I don't know if that's, I almost feel like we'll have to release like bonus audio pod just because of what it means to, for the show really, if you stop and think about it, but let's start at the beginning here. Uh, that we really pick off at the end of of twenty four, you know. Right. We we resume right away with the the hero versus Catra fight, where where Catra is in the wing zero and heroes in the Mercurius. Yeah, it's you know I I like the Mercurius a lot. It turns out you know as we've gone through these, I really feel like they've accidentally made a really compelling like cool mech. Like it, it's really you know. The, I feel like even more than V8, the Mercurius just has more shit going on and it seems more able to respond to scenarios like we see here in this battle, which is pretty fun, even though I'm not... Yeah, the, the battle is fun. The thing I wanted to bring up was this seemed like another instance to me of uh, deeply inappropriate music use. Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not... Our number one criminal is the gallant fanfare that plays whenever like the worst things are happening. Sure, that'll uh, happen that later happens, this episode. Yeah, that happens in fact later this episode. <clears throat> but uh, here we have sort of a very like a very sort of slow song for this you know rather high stakes conflict, right? And I really it, it sort of took me out of what I thought would otherwise be you know a. a at least an exciting, right, from the perspective of an action show. Well, so something that I think Gundam Wing struggles with is, like, really centering 
the context of the story it's telling. And and I think the proof of that is 25 in a lot of ways. You know, that that thing I'm talking about we need to struggle with is partially that because what what essentially happens in this episode is the, the primary antagonists you know, saying that they've always sided with our main characters all along, really, and, like, what that means for the story. And in a way that I don't know if Gundam Wing was cognizant of or if it's something that we should even talk about. There's a whole, like, angle to this where I'm I'm worried that I'm I'm looking at, you know, a, a Power Rangers villain announcing that he can't be a Power Rangers villain anymore and he's going to join the Power Rangers and being like... What is this text trying to say? And and you know, I'm not even saying that that there aren't there wouldn't be exceptions that, mm-hmm. that there are wouldn't be you know good Power Rangers stories that could possibly say things. It's not what I'm saying necessarily, but I, I struggle with that. Right? How much should I be taking this text seriously? But I I think I should because it's, it's stopping and taking five minutes to announce what it's. Right. It's it, pre- it's presented that way. Right. It's not, you know, it's not just sort of like, you know, here's some text in the corner as a, as a you know, framework justification for why we're going through this exercise of showing you cool action. This is no, we're, we're having a whole scene where this guy's going to announce what his deal is and that's going to be it. That's the, right. the purpose of the scene. That, yeah, you know? exactly. And so we're, you know, to cut back to Catra versus Hero, um, I have a question for you, PMC. Uh, at this stage... Do you feel like Wing Zero is a more threatening mobile suit than the Mercurius? I would say so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. The the thing I was going to say was during this battle anyway, I I didn't get that feeling. I didn't get that feeling until Hero announces that the shield was going to... Because at this point, we really haven't set up what the high end of the shield is, Mm -hmm. right? Because... Early, very early on, we established that the V8 has the most powerful beam cannon a mobile suit of its size can have. Lie, I guess. Right. Um, and and uh, uh, you know the V and the Mercurius has a shield that can stop it. And so I'm sitting here as an audience member, knowing that, going like, oh, well, what's the big deal? Like, if it can stop the V8, which I thought at the, until this point was a top end, because as far as I could see, I, I don't know if the V8 laser couldn't do the same thing the Finger of Death laser could do. Like, I, I see now... Yeah, it's, it's hard to know. I mean, my assumption, just by virtue of... Maybe because there's two? <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I think in, in my brain, I, I tend to sort of uh, almost assume that some of these shows especially shows that are maybe toyetic or have other things going on, have a sort of um, what we would call a video game logic to them. Sure, totally, where, totally. Where the next thing that appears must be more powerful. Right, totally, totally. You know, like, and, and it's not really written, but the, it's an, almost an assumption. Right. The, the main point I'm making, though, is that I, I don't feel like in this battle, until Hero has a line that explains to us, the audience, that there is, in fact, a top end and that he is, in fact, losing, I don't feel like the show showed us that, is, was the point I was going to make. Yeah. But maybe maybe I am Boo Boo the Fool. Eh. In any case... Um, during- I, do, I do like that after Hero gets shoved into the colony wall that we sort of get a, uh, a silhouette of Wing Zero that makes it look like an angel that mm-hmm. really kind of I think foreshadows. Yes, that, that was a good that shot. Design, yeah, I agree. I agree that it was a good shot. I wondered why Catra keeps presenting his his argument here as though he couldn't just stop fighting. 
<laughs> like, and it made me, you know, this is this is the normal sort of gaslighting that that abusers do. So, you know, uh, the I do also I feel like there is a lot of descriptions of the Gundam pilots as righteous in these next coming episodes. And right, this is something we're going to have to struggle yeah, with when we get I mean, to the trade we're, speech. We're getting to the end of you know episodes one through twenty six here. And I think one of the things that we're going to be struggling with here is saying what's what's really happened and like what what is our hero's purpose, which is something that's sort of touched upon repeatedly throughout these two episodes, yeah. but we don't know what it is. Right. So, you know, since we're here, we can we can wrap up the, the battle between hero and captain, yeah. I think, because we're going to cut to the next plot after, I think. So, yeah. you know, in the process of the battle, hero has you know been he's been pushed into the colony and wing zero is about to do its final shot and the v8 or what's left of the v8 takes the brunt of the hit it seems like i don't know um you know i don't want to get into necessarily how the finger of god laser just sort of disintegrates uh, other mobile suits but again i i think i should be employing the toyetic sort of logic you're describing where whatever the the leos space leos the land mobile suits are made out of it just has to be less yeah, good than whatever the vates made out of paper mache sure co- sure whatever it's yeah. fine i can accept that i totally can accept fan wankery of that and, and you know what the emotional logic of the scene is more important yeah and that is actually more important um so the v8 takes the hit and in the process troa has a speech right this is a troa speech before the trace speech thanks show thanks for not confusing me with the names there but this is a troa speech first and the Troa speech, PMC, I don't want to put you on the spot here, mm. because I, I'm not saying this as a trap, like, please explain to me what this incomprehensible speech meant, because I don't want you to feel like I, I, that is the case. But So this is me admitting to you that if just taking what Troa says, his words are, what his words are, I don't know what that speech was about. I have now watched the show twice, and I, I have an, I, an idea of what I think he's trying to say. But and and if you want me to say that first, I will. Because again, I don't mean this as a gotcha. Yeah. No, <laughs> like, I mean I'll take this and run. I I think f- for me as a human being who lives in a world where I try to make sense of things. Yes. Yeah. Totally. My take on it was that this was sort of an a, a short arc for Troa, where he is uh, through the words he is sharing with Katra sort of expressing regret for how stupid he was thinking that they could because remember right before this he's like oh we'll go get Katra and we'll do our thing we're gonna you know and literally what one of the scientists says the next episode when it's like well you had the wing zero the mercurius and the v8 yeah you could have destroyed the lunar base right then and there we'll get to that scene but you know so literally kind of echoes what troll was thinking before the the, the hero Katra fight and so the, what, I, what I was kind of taking was that Troa was sort of almost angry in a way, where he was like, this sucks. We shouldn't be doing this. You're a sweet boy, Catra. Do something else. Yeah, I mean, so, like, that is the, like, kind of the gist of what he's saying. But he also, like, dances dangerously close to being like, like, I, I wish I just joined Oz. I wish, you know, because it seems more what he's regretting is that, like, the cause... And, th- again, this is why I'm like, we have to we have to figure out... what We need to wrangle what the meaning they're trying to get to is. Because it seems more like the, the thing that he regrets is that he was a good soldier that the cause failed. 
right? Like that seems to be more like that when he says that he that they have become redundant soldiers. That seems more like a like he's expressing a, a disappointment that the not that he failed, that he he did something wrong or didn't like succeed at whatever the goal he had, but but rather that the cause disappeared from under him such that he didn't even get the chance to be a soldier. That like and it seems like that's what he's arguing. That's what he's saying with his words. But I think what he means is what you're describing. Mm, yeah. That circumstances were such that it led to this. Like, like, but, but PMC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it? Does it? It does that. Do you feel like that's the logical reaction to have, or like thing to start saying? And I'm like, I don't know if that's the fair even question to ask. But like, why wouldn't you? Why choose this moment to ha- to talk about this if you're Troa? Like why? And also, I just want to. I just for this, you know, two things here, and I don't know if this makes me the spoiler boy. I guess, but one, um, you know, we know we've talked about this yeah. before. Unfortunately, if you've listened to Machinations and you've been spoiled about this before, we know that Troa survives this somehow. Yeah. Um, and we see his invincible boy body has survived the explosion of a mobile suit. Right. Whatever, it's with, fine. With the suit intact? Yeah, we have precedent for this with, with Hero, so it's fine. Hero also survived an exploding mobile suit with his invincible boy body. Um, I just don't understand. And, like, from a writing perspective, even, you're, you're, you're looking at this moment and you're like, through, because of tragedy, Catra has been put in this trajectory. And while they are trying to navigate the circumstances of the moment, Hero and Troa are in this trajectory. And Troa has failed to reach Katra. And at no point does it occur to any of these people involved to talk about why at any point. And I get it, right? There's there's emotions are heightened. Like what we'll learn next episode is that Katra was affected by something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's the thing we'll learn next episode. But right now we don't know that. And right now, there's no reason to know that. And there's right now, like, it makes it makes me really mad in the next episode when Catra's like, I didn't really even notice. I was just, I just wanted the big space laser. <laughs> it's, it's a really annoying scene. I don't know if that was too quiet of me. I don't know. And I, you, uh, and I apologize because I know you're the one who will be yeah. in charge of producing nah, this. But, yeah. but like, and I know I'm jumping ahead and I apologize, audience. <laughs> But, like, it's really crazy to, mm, how do you make that accidentally, PMC? How did... Anyway, we'll get there. Um, uh, so, uh, at this point, Troa has blown up, and he is, he's imparted his, his message. That Catra, we will learn, has, has taken in as, the way we've been fighting this war won't end the war. So, if our goal is to end the war, we need to change our tactics. Although... Because this is Gundam Wing, he doesn't have to have an idea of what those tactics are or what was wrong with whatever was currently happening. Which, and again, we'll have to get there because we should at this point transition to. We should mention that the the science creeps and Duo and Wufei are getting dangerously close to um, suffocation. Yeah. Um. Can I? Do you think we should talk about Wufei and the sort of like? I don't know. It's I don't really like the way that they are like, oh man, he's he has entered a suspended animation. He's like 
mm, what a what a disciplined because I get I mm, I don't get good energy from it. Yeah, man. no, it's, I, well, it's very, I think, yeah, I, I think it's it's more of what we've talked about before, which is that this is sort of the the problematic Chinese depiction. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, that's just you know, and, and without being a, a scholar in problematic ways that Japanese texts <laughs> sure. have depicted the Chinese, I feel yeah. like it's hard for me to say otherwise. You know, to sort of recognize that that idea of like extremely good point to be you honest, know me- meditative whatever is you know just sort of like oh well he's you know he's that so he must be able to do this that's what i'm saying you know like you know and and again i'm not i think it's fair to point out that neither of us feel great about it and move on that's yeah no i I think that's where what we do there um Um, we can say that he's a righteous gundam pilot though (laughs) so at this point you can never stop me from loving those gundam boys (laughs) well that's true nothing could even a gunshot but um do we move on from here to the uh, Fascism Masturbation Club? Um, or is there something else that I'm skipping first? Uh, so I think we already covered really all the Hero and Catra stuff in the first half. I think, and you might have mentioned already, it's just that we get the, we get sort of the first hint of the the sudden Oz Civil War that's about to break out. Right. Where Un discovers that, you know, the connection's been severed. We we just went over the meditative state thing. Maybe that's really the only um, the only thing where it's just like too raw. You know, it's like oh okay, so looks like looks like we're gonna have. I don't know what you're getting at. But I think the only thing this you, is my too raw. Even then, is that the escalation right? Like, because for me, I didn't realize that we were at the point of full on civil war until I saw the little map screen with all the little dots on it, and I was like, oh, they're fielding their mobile suits. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you felt like the you know the writing was on the wall from this earlier, you know, the first half of 25. I really don't feel like the second half of 25 was when I was like, oh. And even then, it's like, is it just a personal fight on versus Tuberov? Right. Or is it a full-on you know, civil war? And in the beginning of 26, we learned that it is. The escalation in this, I mean, we, we frequently have complained about number of sides in the war, the shape of the conflict. And it's just sort of classic Gundam Wing to be like Civil War. <laughs> yeah, this we we wanted to get to this point here where you know. Okay, so something I wanted to do, I, I realize it did skip ahead a little bit. Something I wanted to ask you about because I was unclear on. Yeah, it, I feel like we should hash it out here. Is Hero? Is Hero doing a thing when he's attacking Catra and he's like, I guess Troa died for nothing. Is he trying to do something, or is he actually mad at Katra and gonna kill him? Well, the show tells us that that Hero is the cleverest and completely in control. So I am more inclined to believe that it is manipulation. So I agree. And it's so, so hard because I know intellectually that the show doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt that I'm giving it when I arrive at that conclusion. Because it doesn't give us any reason to believe that. And then later, the only reason the battle stops is because Hero faints. He runs out of HP and faints. and needs to be taken to a Pokemon Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I think, I, you know, that was kind of the last topic I wanted to get into, which was what Hero's motivations were in that moment. And the answer the show gives us is is the question mark sky meme because the fight stops just sort of ends yeah um so we cut to uh, Dermail 
and he's giving a big speech to all of the fascists in the world, I assume. Ruling the world with an iron boot will be great. Yes, we're really, really excited for the people who deserve to rule to be allowed to rule now. And, of course, the people who deserve to rule, the people with money who look like us and act the way we do. And, of course, talking about... Uh, anyway... Um, the, uh, so here, uh, Dermail is like, we're going to our mobile doll production factory on the moon has been completed. So now we can move forward with, they don't name it here, but I assume he means operation Nova, which is something we learn about at the beginning of 26. Uh, and <laughs> who steps forward, but, but trace Kutranata, who has a few words to say. And, and in the process of this, he, um, and, and PMC, you can stop me at any point, but yes. here is, I think the, the, the the heart of the matter trace wants to get to okay which is that point one that human beings have lives have inherent natural value he he believes this to be true point two the reason that wars matter is because of the loss of life because if these lives if point one is true then point two what creates value for war in point two is the loss of life and what that means of the what that the sacrifice of that worth means to the concept of war in and of itself three this is all pointless if one side isn't in on it if one side is acting on this in bad faith in order to win so winning isn't important is the fourth point for trays it's not about winning the war it's about engaging in warfare at all and to him point five the Gundam boys represent this idea to are the avatars of this idea, right? That they, they are good faith actors of war who are sacrificing their lives in order to win the, the side that they're on. That's the, let's just say the, the, the very, very TLDR version of his speech. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's fair? Do you think it's a fair read? I think so. I think that is a fair read. I would not say it's quite online with with my read. I think my read is uh, is shorter and more cynical. Uh, my read on it was. Go, oh well, the only it. thing I would say is that yeah. what I'm what I'm doing is is essentially summing up his argument mm. in not so much in his words because his words are garbage, but in in english yeah in, in, yeah no i think it's i think so, putting it putting it that way something is very good i don't think that's so that's not my judgment of his character right right that is what the things that he thinks or he believes uh, there is a line that he has that makes me want to slap him <laughs> but but yes I, i'm sorry i didn't right so I, maybe the line is i want to be a loser no not okay. that one no not that, that one uh, the line is um in, and i put it down i used to think ideals about pacifism were pitiful complaints born of ignorance of tradition that's the line i want to slap him with because what it reveals and and i think this is a thing that is true of of certain kinds of folks what it reveals is that he at no point ever considered that that people who were in a disadvantageous position were being honest about that and were just upset that they were losing, right? Like the tradition he's talking about is like, you know, if you have a problem, you rise up and you defeat your, your conqueror. That's the tradition he's right, talking about right. is, is like, so this is the, right. No, and I think that exactly, the baby thing. yeah, that exactly segues into sort of my feel about his speech. And to me, I think 
his speech says, I'm a student of history, and this, in my opinion, is the way I've discovered that you, in the end, win, and that what we're doing, what you're doing right now, Duke Dermale, head of the Roman Feller Foundation, is going to lose, and I don't want to lose. That's to me, was kind of what I had taken away from it, because he's like, I, I think the struggle always wins, and I'm on the side of, of the struggle. And so these, because how does he call the mobile dolls? He says like they're like an embarrassment to the future. Is that? It is what he says. Yeah. It's very good. Um, and so, you know, to, which to me basically says that, you know, given, given, given the choice between the mobile dolls and the Gundam pilots, I'm going to ally myself with, with the Gundam pilots. And then this, and again, this is me sort of trying to say what is Trey's strategy for the future. Part of that cynicism stems from the kind of thing you just brought up in regards to the pacifism line, which is that, you know, I used to think pacifism was just something that people who weren't going to win brought up, right. you know, and, and I'm like, okay, you're telling us now that you think you, you've sort of maybe you know, grown up past that. Well, I mean, the only thing I would push against a little tiny yeah. bit is, is like, I don't think I, I I don't think he thinks this is a losing strategy, the mobile dolls. I think this is winning in a way he doesn't want to win. Mm-hmm. I think this is, I think, you know, to, you know, to compare it to uh, a video game here, I, I think that Trey's is exactly the sort of douchebag who would use the you cheated yourself meme mm. in sincerity. Yeah, no, I agree. non-ironic version. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, like, that is, I think, the thing, his main objection to the mobile dolls is that he feels like it takes his skin out of the game, that it turns him into a bad faith actor, that he doesn't actually believe in the side he's on in a way where, and to, to Trey's, he feels that, that like that sort of, uh, the, the way you show belief in, in the side that you're on is to offer your own skin in the game. Like as far as Trey's is concerned, like he, even though we know this to not be true because he's not a frontline fighter, he has always felt like he is part of this conflict, right? Like when, when Wufei boarded the ship, he was like, fuck yeah, come at me. And then he wins, right? And then we, at the time, we were frustrated because this is stupid. I hate how much the show thinks yeah, he's cool. Right. Like this is the whole point of the speech is to keep Trey's as a, right. as a good because if Trey's a good guy now, for the purposes Trey's is a good guy now. Yeah, for the purposes of the show, if Trey's had fully thrown in his lot with this, you know, oppressive, powerful force under Duke Jermail, then that would have been inescapably uncool. Right. Exactly. That it, it it changes the thing that the show. The only thing the show has been able to keep consistent is that that Trey's romanticizes war as a core aspect of the human identity and what he's arguing is that when when you employ the mobile dolls you're denying that part of a, a human nature and which makes the idea of war the idea of conquest of rulership meaningless to him mm-hmm. because he is not he's not invested in staying powerful if it means this like to him that he's part of that game. He like I hate talking about this so much because it makes it sound like I believe the things right, he yeah, believes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he really is. 
And this is what I wanted to struggle with, right? Because, you know, while he's giving this speech, the thing we we also see are scenes of the Gundam boys being sincerely invested in the things that they're doing. And that, to him, is true nobility, true righteousness, is what they keep saying, Um, is is like... But, like, what the show hasn't... Yeah, in a real show, we would have seen the scenes of Hero killing Noventa, you know... That would have made a much better point to the scene. Well, that was the thing I wanted to bring up was like the show <laughs> forgot that they're fighting trees. And yeah. Trees and Oz created this whole scenario that they're fighting against. And like, so it, that's the thing that I struggle with because, you know, Lady Un ha- is launching an assault on the lunar base. And that's the reason why the Gundam boys are able to escape and the science creeps also escape. Um, and so now Lady Un is an ally to the Gundam boys in actions here, mm-hmm. in, at least yeah. here in episode 25. Um, and Lady Unkilled Relina's dad. Oh, yeah. She, like, chucked a bomb in the Directly window. killed Relina's yep. dad. Definitely. And and Trey's, I would say, e- even more than Hero himself, killed Sylvia Noventa's grandfather. Sylvia Noventa! <laughs> For Trey's to sit here and be like, I love the Gundam boys. And Lady Un to, in her dying breath, hope to keep loving the Gundam boys and that the Gundam boys would eventually not be free. This is the thing I wanted to get to. Yes. Not be free from conflict, but to find the right conflict. Right? Don't you think? Like, that's kind of... So, like, the thing that I'm getting here is that that Trey's and Lady Un feel about the Gundam boys the way someone watching the show might feel about the Gundam boys. Cause for them, for watching, for people watching the show, it's okay to be invested in characters who are awesome, but are their awesomeness came at the price of pain, pain. We wouldn't wish on people their age. It's okay to be invested in them succeeding at the thing that made them hurt mm-hmm. because they're not real. Yeah. And the, their pain is part of, fictional drama that that we can partake in and vicariously experience right like that you know to simplify fiction to its most boring possible example like that that's what makes that okay but you but for Trace and lady un to do it it doesn't make sense because all the things they've been doing run counter to this like they the these are people who've been expressly resisting the things they've been trying to do and the show has now turned around and told us that they love them and like where was that point then right like that's the thing is that we can arrive here but we actually have to go somewhere we needed to get there Yeah. yeah exactly and like i don't actually think there's an argument to be made there's a there are i can imagine ghosts at the table here Mm -hmm. among us during our our recording that that would maybe say like maybe Lady Un has been more into the the Gundam pilot recruitment thing than we thought, and that this that the previous episodes and like there is a show that exists that could have convinced me of that, where we yeah. could have gotten to this point, I would have been like Lady Un and Trace have known the whole time what the fuck, you, right? You know yeah, what yeah I mean? there's a like, show where where Un recognizes working with Tro and Hero, and she says like Wow, these are great soldiers, right. and these fall into you know tr- Mr. Trace's ideals, and so and actually you know get us to this point where we see this now and we're like. 
oh, these two have been won over by the steadfastness and discipline of our heroes. Right. We can make sense of this as an arc. Right. But, but this is not the show. This isn't the show. And like it's it's and again, we, we need to we cannot escape from the reality that Trey's argument is that war is good because human life is sacrificed. And so the the, the motivations of, of the people who are pushing the war to happen don't matter. And the amount of lives that are lost that have nothing to do with whatever the motivations of the war are don't matter. Um, because there is some sort of universal equilibrium that will eventually be reached. Not equilibrium even, because how Trey sees it is this back and forth, right? Yeah, right. The, the, the and, losers will become the winners. And as long as the people are at the center of that, because this is the thing, and 26 is going to get into that some more, mm-hmm. that Trace doesn't see the tool itself and what the tool's existence means as the problem. Yeah. He sees the tool, ex- like the machine, as the problem, right? He doesn't, he doesn't blame the people who created it necessarily. He blames the people who are using it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, it seems like he's didn't, and we made fun of him for this last week yeah. when he said, like, I never expect, or two weeks ago maybe, when I, I never expected their, you know, their, their uh, urge to power to cause them to lose their compassion. And it was just like, what? Are, are you kidding? <laughs> like, you know, I thought you were supposed to be smart. I mm-hmm. thought you were supposed to get this shit. You didn't let the baby die or whatever. Um, so, I, I mean, this is the thing that's, that's really, really hard for me because, and, and, I feel bad because it, when I watched this the first time, I really wanted to sit down, and I talked about this last week, like, break down the plot and and really put out there. But the, as soon as I started to do it, it, it really opened up, like, a, a hole in, the, in reality, in, like, Euclidean geometry, where I was like, there is nothing to follow. Like it just doesn't really make sense, and and you know maybe in if we aren't doing Pat Labor two for next episode, yeah. maybe that's what we could talk about for right. the, the the clip show episode. Uh, but in any case, we're, we're I would say we're more more or less done. You know, yeah. Dermail puts puts trays in house yeah. arrest. Have you ever had a discussion with someone, and then like towards the end of the discussion, they pull out like a perfect <laughs> metaphor for what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, Pretty yeah. useful, right? Yeah. Like not not half bad. I'll take that. <laughs> um, and we should say that that Tuberoff um shoots Lady Un, and it is unclear if Lady Un is is fatally injured in this mm, this. Uh, yeah. Well, we have the whole like the whole barge versus lunar base sequence is is pretty wild because we get the we had mentioned before the gallant fanfare music as the right Lady Un's o- a good Oz soldiers mm-hmm. go out to get obliterated by the, the dolls as usual right the Taurus mobile uh, dolls we should also mention I did barrel right past the introduction of a brand new mobile suit oh yeah again Gundam Wing has to force me to shove my foot entirely in my mouth because last week I took a couple minutes to talk about how there's one more that we're going to see and no more others but of course uh, we uh, I think you said that they were the Virgos yeah the Virgos which I think are basically sort of combination Vate Mercurius yeah I totally and they're, they're pretty cool yeah they're not bad I, I like them uh, so yeah, we we get to see those, uh, and then right, you have the on is shot. So what did you? Okay, so there is one more thing I forgot. To yeah, talk about. so we already mentioned Un's line about never stop loving those Gundam boys. <laughs> Don't my, stop. Yeah, anyway, yeah, my favorite. Uh, bon Jovi? That, no, I don't know who that is. Don't stop. No, Journey. Journey. Journey yes, yeah, I whatever. Same Journey. thing. Journey. Whatever. Bon Jovi. Bon Journey. Uh, but she also has this this line. Well, uh, two Roths 
I think says that she's uh, too soft or something. Or, sure. And then that is what he says. And then Un says, and she's like, "Well, you know, I was too. Maybe I was too soft as a soldier. Oh yeah. But as a civilian, I lived an austere life." Ignis, what is your take on that? Nothing. It's garbage. <laughs> like I don't. I have no idea what she could be talking about. Like it, it's. I mean, it kind of, I, I think it's hinting at the, you know, the thing I was mentioning earlier where there's a, a sort of like reverence for like a, a true soldier. This is something where I think that um, Miliardo is going to become much more concerned about once we return to Gundam Wing. But it's it's really hard to say because none of the things that she was very successful at you know, they were done in a military context, right? Like, I, I get that the, the diplomat stuff and Oz negotiating stuff wasn't necessarily her acting as a soldier. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. But she was still a soldier for Oz in that case. Like, I don't care what the show is saying. Like, she's in, actively trying to accomplish Oz's goals. And it, it wasn't with guns or mechs and shit, but it was with lying and, and you know, sexual attractiveness and... and psychosis in the case of lady un you know it and it's so it's tough because i guess she's making that differentiate you know she's so you feel that her her soldier civilian life comment lines up with peace and warren or is that what i sorry if i misunderstood no i mean it's not less that as much as it's it's like not i think she is making some sort of separation based off of her performance in the battle and her performance with the space colonies, okay. right? I think it's fair to say that you know we're approaching a a true un, right? Where mm-hmm. where um, war un, it is fair to say has never been successful ever at anything. Is fair to say? I would think. I, I yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair to say. I can't think of any mission where she really succeeded. Yeah, um, and peace un, on the other hand even though is is deeply disturbing works all the time for everything and accomplished basically everything she wanted to that was within reason right yeah like and so i could see and and it felt like that's where we were landing at the end of 23 yeah when she arrests nickel um after being peace on out in space because she didn't have her glasses on and then when she returns, she puts the glasses back on and she has her, her fucking voice again, you know, the war on voice. I think we, the, the interior, the fact that her interior dialogue sounds like peace on and her exterior looks like war on says to me that we've, uh, we are approaching yeah. the, uh, an equilibrium, a true on. Yeah. Um, and, and it felt like that's what she was saying, right? That, that war on was never extremely good at interpreting you know, Trey's wishes as a soldier. Mm-hmm. Never, and like, again, this is me giving Gundam Wing all the credit in the fucking world. <laughs> um, because again, so it's the Tuberoff shoots, and, and the other thing we didn't talk about was that we now, we also get to see Death Scythe Hell and Ultron in action. Yeah, it's true. We do get to see them. Um, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts about Death Scythe Hell and Ultron? Uh, Death Scythe Hell gets a lot more screen time. Um, and, and it's clear that they were more excited about the death yeah. of design. And you know what? It's great. Yeah. It's, he's got like a little sweater vest, like it, a big shell. He's you know? got a big sweater vest and it looks cool as hell. Yeah. Um, the, 
the the my partner was watching and the double scythe she she was very excited she was like yes yes the, the logic of two is better than one it, continues absolutely well i mean it also applies to ultron as well because he now has two extendo arms yeah, instead of just one arms. yeah, yeah. it looks great uh, i like the color scheme the, the sort of off green looks cool yeah i do think that color scheme is really really good for I sure agree. Uh, so that kind of that concludes twenty five. Yeah, would you say right. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. So twenty six starts and let's pour one out for just communication. This is our last just communication, or is it in the you? Well, you watch the filler so, episode. So un- unfortunately, the, and I brought this up last. Oh, time, that's right. Because uh, of how you watch it, the, the means by which yeah. I, I watch Gundam Wing it does not have the intros or okay. outros, and then no previews either. So. You know, earlier in the week, you uh, in pre in in communications, you would ask me if I had seen twenty five or twenty six yet, and at that point, I don't have previews, so I had seen twenty five but not twenty six, mm-hmm. and so I had not. I was like, well, I don't think how could Relina get anywhere, basically. But a little, little did I know. Yeah, a little did you know about <laughs> Relina. Um, so yeah, no, I hadn't. Um, it, it was this. I mean, that makes sense, though, right? I believe this is right. This is where we switch over to uh, to the new song. Yeah, to. Uh, um, so I just wanted. To, I want to make note of that because just communication as a banger. I, I I still frequently, you know, I'm usually the sort of person who will skip intros, but at this point, yeah. I'll I'll sit and listen to. Uh, I was to like, yeah, I'll listen to Just Communication. So it's a good intro sequence. Oh no, wait! I am full of lies. Oh, rhythm emotion. Damn, what the hell is up with this? Rhythm emotion doesn't show up until episode forty. That sounds right. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, right. ignore me then. Yeah, we I, have plenty of Just Communication left. It's mostly just because I, I think it's not until then. I, I bet you rhythm emotion has animation bits from all the new Gundams, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, probably. And, and we still haven't gotten to the. I mean, I don't think Sandrock really gets much in his space upgrade, but uh, Hels- uh, Helsing, the Helsing Gundam, <laughs> um, the uh, <laughs> the heavy arms Gundam, will get. Yeah, upgrade. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the Helsing Gundam. So 26 starts with our, our, our most favorite character, the narrator. Um, it doesn't start with that strictly. It starts with four copies of the same dude who are saying like, oh, they're sending mobile dolls. Oz can't be defeated. Yeah, the Trey's faction, the Trey's hardcores can't be defeated. Um, and Do you think they just had those blue suits laying around so they could burn their green suits? <laughs> like, what is up with that? I had a question about that, too. Because we'll also see Lieutenant Trant in the blue suit later. Yeah, in space they have the wrong colors on. Yeah, I wasn't... <laughs> they have the flip colors. No, I, I noted this, too. I, I was like, wait, is Lieutenant Trant a uh, fucking a fucking uh trace federation guy or is he or no, trace faction guy all the ones, not, yeah all the ones hanging out the science groups have green jackets on oh my god do they yeah. really i yeah. didn't notice that. they do god they, how could they be such they just fuck the colors up it's in one episode right guys like this isn't like oh well we came back four episodes later and you mixed up the trace faction <laughs> and the oz loyalist yeah like no this was in the, the span end. of one episode they already screwed it up yeah. and it's so okay so we at, at, when we get introduced to the traits faction, yeah, and and that you know this is something I feel like is very very predictable, right? That you know what was uniting Oz under Trays was the cult's personality, right? So wherever Trays goes, the uh, the the Trace faction is going to go too. Yep. So obviously, you know, and this is something that the leadership just you know uh, incompetently ignored until it was too late. And this is a thing that I think is constant in fiction, and it's because it's just constant in living an, an adult life, is, is dealing with the friction of, of leadership making choices that seem incomprehensible and 
dealing with the consequences of those. And like, I truly don't understand how they couldn't have seen this coming. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, Trey's is so good at what he does that people really do prefer whatever he's doing versus whatever the goals of the, I almost said company, but you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I think what you're, you're getting to is the point in which this is real in real life because usually the answer is, you know, sort of the allegation that someone is, is out of touch, that the person who is the executive sort of, uh, you know, by choice or by circumstance doesn't actually understand what it is like to be a regular soldier in Oz or, you know, someone who works doing the actual labor of the company as right. opposed to someone who just owns things for a living. So um, this is Operation Nova where the Romafeller Foundation send mobile dolls to Earth in order to, I I guess, quash... Is so, this the second operation name we've had in this whole show? Yeah, it is. Okay. So I had a question for you, PMC. Yes. Oz coup happens. So Oz takes over the forces of the Alliance. So Romafeller sends mobile dolls for what? Well, now I know we were told. Yeah, I know we were told that there are still like pockets of rebellion of the Alliance on yeah. Earth. But I mean, we're told explicitly here that it's to suppress the Trey's faction, right? Right. right. Okay. So they created their own problem. And, and like I know because of what happens in the show, that is correct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That because of what happens in the plot, they do end up creating their own problem trying to right because like, like duke dermail and terry Barov are, are talking i think someone point aren't they, they talking this separate yeah they talk in this episode dermail and Tubarov. yeah and dermail is like we were supposed to be using these suits for other things not for suppressing the trace faction and Tubarov is like we'll make more right and so it's the the question i'm asking is i guess you know at this point let's say you're the do you think and the team of writers knew they were approaching the end of their ten their run on the show at this point, or w- did they get to this point and then were told? Obviously, I don't know if we have a way of knowing that necessarily. The reason I ask is because I don't understand what point of view we're supposed to have on this conflict. Because Roma Feller sucks, and I have I have news for you, PMC. Trey's and anybody who follows him sucks. So why is this the conflict of the show now? Like, and and I know you don't have answers for me. I'm not like, this is not a question I'm asking you. I just, I, er, so, or so earlier today, I, I was discussing with up this episode with a close friend and, and I was describing this very thing to you that the show has, has written itself into a position where later we will have arming characters discussing how they don't have a reason to be in this show anymore. And I expressed to this friend that the, the show could have just not done this. <laughs> this is not a direction it had to go in. And they shared with me a, a very clear, a very good factoid, which is that actually writing is impossible. No one could write. And, and I think this is true of what's happening here. Because if I'm being like the most generous person on earth, the only conclusion I can come to about the point they were trying to get at, at least in this first like 26 episodes, if someone was like, what is the first half of Gun and Wing about? The first half of Gun and Wing is kind of about how shit spirals. 
Kind of. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. It, and like, and when I say it's about that, I mean it ends up being about that because I at no point could that have been the goal. Like, you couldn't take a, a particular set of episodes from the first, let's say, twelve, and then the second twelve, mm-hmm. and then these last two, yeah, and be like, this represents that core idea well. It doesn't. At, you, you can tell that that this was a like it, it was a struggle to find what the core of the mm-hmm. story was. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why. It's so hard to see at any point what was... Con- like Because the, the story of rich fascists tried to take over the world and rebels from space tried to stop them was good. And they got bored of it. Like, it, it stops being about that at episode, like, what? Like, whenever Lady Un threatens the colonies with the missiles, right? Like, that's that's kind of the point where it can't be right. about that anymore. Yeah. And, like, so why did you do that? <laughs> like, that's... it's Anyway, we should talk about 26. So... After the mobile dolls defeat the four identical-looking guys in the Ares, uh, and I love how... I know this is a translation thing, and I know this is a Gundam thing. I really love how we keep calling it outer space. I gotta defend outer space. Outer space is the best. We see Hero and Catra. They're being taken in by the the loyal forces of Oz who work for Roma Feller, who I'm just going to call Roma Feller for now. Yeah. People who are working for Roma Feller, even if they were Oz, I'm just going to straight up call Roma Feller. Fair. Um, the Roma Feller guys are taking Hero and Catra in, and Catra makes a break for it, but not to escape. <laughs> yeah. So you're Hero, and Catra makes a break for it. And so you're like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> so you do a cool kicky move to knock the guys off. The, you know, you do this, this, this kick to knock the guys off their center. Um, and Catra just runs over to the V8, which blew up, but didn't. But didn't. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Or, or it's in the state that it was in when it was hit by the god. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, 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 you know, he crumbles. He, he's, you know, brought to tears at the damage that he did to the the machine. And I guess he's transposing that damage onto Troa. And they were able to find the machine, but not Troa. But I don't. Mm, it's fine. It, it, it's fine. Not important. And Hero is like, well, fuck. I thought we were okay. And so he gets he gets a, a rifle to the face. And we spend a very long time on the floor while the, the two Roma Feller guys are like, you know, why don't we shoot you? And then we cut to, to a gun being shot. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's the end of the, that's the, end of the series. <laughs> yeah, Pack yeah. it up. I don't remember Catcher and Hero getting shot to death at this point. But, but of course, this is just confusing editing as the Trace faction shows up to. Yeah, it's a misdirection, right? They're yeah. making us think that the boys are being shot when it's really them being rescued. Yeah, generously, that's misdirection. <laughs> um, so uh, the Trace faction rescue Hero and Catra. And at the same time, we are introduced to, um, we've mentioned him previously, Lieutenant Trant. Trant. Not not trent okay so <laughs> i i i want you to know that there are there are listings of this character as lieutenant trent okay um but guaranteed there's no question in yeah. the dub of gundam wing they've chosen to run with trant <laughs> this really does feel like ocean just fucking with us <laughs> like i'm gonna be real frank here i agree with you we've been stuck in this hellhole for 26 episodes yeah. this is the worst contract we've ever taken on L- this guy's name is Trant now. <laughs> Trant. I I was distracted for maybe 15 minutes by <laughs> Lieutenant Trant. Because the other thing that was distracting to me about Trant, and it wasn't just his name and how everyone chooses to say his name, but it was also, uh, he his face looks very similar to a character from uh, Helsing Ultimate. Um, if you look up 
uh, Maxwell from the church in Helsing Ultimate. His face looks very similar. Mm. Who's the guy with the purple hair who employed Alexander Anderson? Uh, and in any case, they... Oh, Jesus, I, I was so... Uh, the, the Lieutenant Trent has discovered something about the Wing Zero, which we have... We, previously, we were confused because I, I, we were both like, well... The God Laser isn't what makes Wing Zero special. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we were confused as to why it didn't get brought up. And it still didn't get brought up in 25. I, in 25, uh, you know, we talked about this. And it seems like 25 functions this way. But it doesn't seem like Catra is affected by anything other than what's happened to him. Which is fair, right? Like, yeah. what happened to him is pretty traumatic, even right, though it was right. stupid. Yeah. Um, what we now learn is in, when in, uh, Lieutenant Trant has discovered that the the Wing Zero has a cockpit system, and that its cockpit system interferes with the pilot in certain ways that are designed to, as as the catcher science creep puts it, increase the pilot's capabilities for battle. It's a flawless system. Flawless system is how the science creeps put it. But but maybe we shouldn't trust what the science creeps have to say about it, and we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. Um. So. Uh, Lieutenant Trant, of course, reports this to Dubroff. He's like, hey, boss, uh, we we looked into the Gundam, and there's some shit in here. Like, something I think you should know about. And PNC, Dubroff says, what does Dubroff say? Close the goddamn door. He does. He does say that. He's like, I don't give a shit what's on that Gundam. I told you to dispose of it. I told you to throw it in the garbage. Because as we've we've discussed, Dubroff is a grade-A dummy and is very stupid. So, you know, Trent is like, okay, totally. We're, we're going to dispose yep, of the we'll gun. We'll do that. But, but I really want this I, data. Yeah, we, we need to see how much we can overclock this thing. Right, because he's Romafeller now. Um, but he used to be Oz. And if there's one thing that, that Oz is actually about, according to Lady Un, it is like finding talent and utilizing that talent, right? And, and to Trent's credit, <laughs> He, he, he does find talent yeah, and he, he does use it. Yeah, yeah, he's right about the zero system. Right. He is completely right, which is not what it's called yet, but for the purposes of we know it's going to be called right, that as right. So Lieutenant Trant is able to surround the forces of the Trey's hardcores, um, including the science creeps. Actually, you know what? I don't really yeah. want to barrel past this. Right, because, because we want to get to – well, before we get to the science creeps negotiating with Trant, we do have the science creeps brief hero and Catra – on the situation and sort of what's going on. So I have... Okay, so this is where we learn that we're not sure what happened with Lady Un. They, they, and, and, and my notes, I'm like, Lady Un is alive, whatever. Yeah, this, sure. This, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a foregone conclusion. Right, because this is... Well, this is where we get the scene where it's like, you guys have, you know, perfect abilities and tactical imagination, but you are flawed as soldiers so let's i want to i really and yeah. i know we say this phrase all the time i i really want to put that aside because there's okay. a couple of things i want to get to first sure. because i think this is yeah a big thing that we should treat seriously yeah. when we get to it so the zero system i think i guess was created by the catra guy seems like it yeah or all of them it's a little bit hard to yeah, tell it's unclear because catra guy is the one who answers right catra guy who's the guy who's like oh this the system's fine like it's perfect the system's great fucking a you know um uh it but none of them address it right they all just love the system they're all just super jazzed that it works right like it seems like and this is hard to tell the show doesn't say this but it seems like 
Wing Zero was purely conceptual. That that they had like they there was no like real basis for any of the th- systems that it had. They just spitballed a bunch of shit, and they were like, okay, this could be a Gundam, but let's scratch this, right? Would yeah. you say that's fair? Yeah, it was it was a blueprint that was collecting dust. Yeah, you know? it, it seems like it, but yeah. So let's let's address. Okay, because they inform our heroes that Troa's probably dead, and they don't seem too bummed. They don't seem too sorry about it, and that tracks for the science creeps. This yeah, is the general science approach. creeps. Yeah, they wouldn't. They weren't that sorry that they were dying <laughs> because they are true millennials, as we've discovered. Um, they they break them down, right? They they basically have a, an assessment where they agree that the zero system isn't the problem. The problem is that they have perfect soldiers that are too perfect and also, in their estimation, mentally flawed. They, and this is not me. That's not me saying right, that. Right. That's the show. This is the it's show saying explicitly that. Explicitly Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean is the one who says it. And, you know, I, I think it is fair to say, PMC, that the show agrees, right? That the show- oh yeah, no, no. The show does not. The show in no way through the storytelling suggests to us that it is the science creeps who are reprehensible monsters. Yes, yes. So, so the show is like, yes, these boys are excellent at at combat and at espionage and at infiltration and at all the things that a soldier might be expected to do. Um, but if there wasn't for their goddamned PTSD and that stupid psyche and that flawed human sense of emotionality, um, PMC, uh, I don't have to tell you that this is disgusting. Yeah. No, that that this is monstrous behavior from characters and the show, you know, the show doesn't have the thoughts to have for that. Right. Like the show wants us to consider hero and Katra and Troa and Wufei, um, in duo as like uh, GI Joes, right? Like you know, or or um or Transformers, right? Where um they they are they are shoved into action and engage in in violence and um and take none of it in and none of it you know matters to them. And the thing that must be acknowledged is that for them to have these skills, they they were would have had to acquire them. Mm, and right. the only way to do that would be training and, and, and only the way to have all this stuff at the ages that they have and the bodies that they have. And I'm I'm being specific about they they talk about how they're super muscled and you know all that stuff. Like they would have to have started this very, very young. So young that they couldn't be children. Yeah, there's, there's no way for them to have had a normal developmental cycle at all because of th- that has to be true. Yeah, that's the thing that that we need to discuss when it talks about like child soldier stories is that for them to have all these awesome skills, the thing that is necessary to acknowledge is that it implies an awful childhood. Yeah, like you, it can't be both. It couldn't have been awesome. So for this scene to just go by. And for the scene that follows it to to go by, and for it to be portrayed as, you know what? So let's let's get there, right? So let's we acknowledge, right, that yeah. that the science creeps are awful, and the scene is the opposite of that. The scene is the science creeps saying, "I, I wish the Gundam boys didn't have this stupid PTSD to deal with, because then they'd be awesome in the Zero system." Um, so Trant, this is when Trant. Um, <laughs> I can't stop saying Trent. <laughs> oh, did you did you want to talk at all about the uh, the the scene where Katra says I never even knew about the Zero system? I guess we did talk about. That. Yeah, we so talked we it already. Said. So, so, I mean. so 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 Hero Hero asks Katra about the Zero system, and Katra's like, "Man, 
I, I didn't even know it was part of it. I was mostly focused on the laser cannon. Um, and I think upon reflection, upon the second watching, I think what this is meant to be is an explanation as to why there were no signifiers that, that Catcher was under any sort mm, of okay. influence. Yeah. I think this is the show. I don't think this is, I don't think this is show telling us why as much as this is the show covering its tracks about it. Cause again, I don't, I don't know if they knew about the zero system until this episode. I, I'm not, I really don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, you might be right. It's really yeah. hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It's really because, like, I, I, to be honest... Because like, the show is focused on the laser beam cannon, that's for sure. Yeah, it just it's a really like convenient excuse for Catra's behavior to have returned to normal now. Because yeah. as soon as he... like like I would say as soon as Troa was in physical danger, Catra's behavior returned to normal, right? Like, it, it, and even in 25 where he's like... Well, fucking hero, go save Troa. Which is, I'm, and I'm sitting here like I don't actually understand why Hero's not saving Troa unless he's doing a thing. But then Hero appears to be actually mad at Catra during that battle yeah. because he holds down the arm to a degree that it blows up. And I wasn't. <laughs> I know we we didn't talk about it, but I was like, why did his arm blow up? <laughs> because it just looked like he was pushing it against the shield. And so I was like. I guess the arm folded before the shield. I guess that's what I'm supposed to take yeah, away. No, Does I, that seem right to yeah, you? Yeah, that's, that's my takeaway, right? So, you know, the fact that we're here now and Catra's like, I guess that the AI affects us. That's what the science creeps said, right? Because that's what the science creeps do say, yeah, is that yeah. it would be fine if the, the, the pilot thought, they keep referring to Catra as the pilot there. And I think they're trying, I don't know if that was just weird translation stuff or if they're just being sciencey or what have right, you yeah. um it, it would be fine if the pilot perceived odds as its enemy but it began to attack allies and i think what he's saying there is that obviously uh Catra piloting wing zero would portray would think of oz mobile suits as enemies mm-hmm. so the system confusing the oz mobile suits for enemies is one thing uh, but afterwards, he was introduced to the fact that Troa and Hero were the pilots. So in that point, Catra should have been able to supersede the system and say, these are hey, allies. Yeah. Let's team up to blow up this lunar base. That's what Death Scythe Creep is trying to say. Right, there. right. Of course, because of the adaptation, this is all gobbledygook when, when we're hearing yeah. it. Um, but the... It's really rough for the science creeps to say the quiet part out loud of like, it really it's disappointing that our Gundam boys are not more psychologically stable. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, I wonder you yeah, motherfuckers. you don't think you guys had a hand in this at all. Yeah, exactly. Like you, like, I, I mean, I think that's the most galling part, right? Cause it is galling to meet a person, you know, if I, if I want to hang out with a metal Grisal to ride and, and be like, wow, man, it sure is a shame that you have all this trauma. I guess you can't be the perfect pilot for my mech. Right. That would be bad. Yes. But it would be much worse if George Sears... If, yes, if George Sears was the one. Was the one who said that because George Sears is solid as Snake, the villain of Metal Gear Solid 2, is so deeply responsible for that trauma. Exactly, yes. And so here it would be bad for the science group to say, but it's much, much, almost... Well, I don't even say how much worse. I'm not going to attempt to quantify this. But it's much worse for them to have been the ones, as far as we know... I mean, certainly Dr. J in the episode where he's riding around for Lena suggests that they had a hand in helping 
the murder boys become murder boys. Yeah, to radicalize these children. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and, and something that happens later after Trant successfully negotiates with the professors, I mean, we learned that Trant didn't know the professors were there. Um, uh, that, you know, the, the professors are, and it's, and it's tough because of the performance. And, it, you know, I, I hate to throw the adaptation guys under any shade here, but it seems like it wasn't clear to them that the, the science creeps were playing these fools. Like they always, always are like, that's something that we should be clear here. Now that we're at 26 and we're at the end of this era is that I think we can state unequivocally that the science creeps have never um, participated willingly at all and have always been engaging their own agenda, but that their agenda, the sh- goalposts shift always. Yeah, definitely. And and I think it's fair to say that maybe we shouldn't consider them like, you know, this is giving Gundam Wing a lot of credit, obviously, and I don't think this is a thing that is intentional, but I don't know if these guys are characters that live in this reality. Like, it almost feels sometimes... So there's a scene coming up where... Um, you know, the science creeps are like, uh, Lieutenant Trant wants us to give over the Gundam pilots. That's stupid because they're just going to put the Gundam pilots in the wing zero and hero is going to go berserk and he's definitely going to kill us, which he should because we deserve to die. Like, this is the part where I'm like, Oh, they know because they say right here, like he's going to perceive us as enemies and he should, because we haven't been good to him. We've been bad. Like this, this, this is the part where, it becomes clear, and be, and Catra says something similar later. It becomes clear that that Gundam Wing doesn't see the the urge to create systems like this as the problem. It sees the the, the machinery itself as the problem, and not the human urge to use it. Right. So so the the guys here they say, okay, we we reject the mobile dolls. But because we have created the system mm-hmm. to fight the mobile dolls, mm-hmm. which in itself is is an AI that is affecting a pilot, yeah. we are just as bad. We've already been corrupted by – and this is like the sort of thing that Gundam Wing thinks is a point, right? Yeah. That like, ah, oh, see? The, the total – as you pursue weapons more, it just warps more perceptions around it. Like, mm, fuck you, Gundam Wing. You're, yeah. not, you're not good at establishing this no. point. Um, and so the the millennial science creeps, uh, you know, acknowledge like, okay, he will try to kill us, so let's go. We're we're gonna go get killed. And D- Death Scythe creep is like, what to go get killed? And and then they walk away to go get yep, killed. They get just the walk to go get killed. Yeah. Um. And and they are. And this is this goes back to that thing that I was talking about with Trey's. Like, if Trey saw this happen, he would nod and be like, "Fuck yeah, those guys know what's up." And and that's the that's the show. The show that's thinks, the show. Yeah, yeah. The show think that that's nobility. Them acknowledging the crimes that they've committed against these children, and so deserving death, and going to meet that death. Um, and this is to me, and the reason why I say like they sh- they don't exist in this reality. You, a a person, I'm not saying is incapable of being able to acknowledge their own sort of objective role in in things, but like. That's the sort of thing that only someone standing outside of a narrative can really, mm-hmm. in my opinion, yeah, really yeah. kind of like like understand and be sort of resolved to. It makes these characters like superhuman. It's they yeah. re- they remind me a lot of like like the Chrono Trigger Wise Men or something like that, where they exist outside of the narrative of the story in very real ways. Like they are immune to consequences. 
their motivations are always mysterious, and so we can never say definitively that they're changing or they don't make sense because we don't know what they are ever. They exist as these weird sort of justifications for these children to have these super-powered toys, and and no one ever takes them to task. Like, to the point where the person who should really is Relina, right? Like, that conversation between Dr. J and Relina, part of what makes it so frustrating is because it's happening at a moment where Relina can't be isn't in, in living her truth and being like, why did you do this fucked up thing to hero? Dr. J. Yeah. Like, like, you know, in that moment, because Relina has been saved by terrorists from getting killed by Oz people, Lady Un, by the way, uh, show, show that thinks we should like Lady Un. Um, uh, uh, she doesn't have that moment to be like, cause she's at this point, like, ah, oh, my dad's gone and I just really want to see hero. Yeah. So I, I can't really, the show can't even really stop and be like, well, wait, if I don't believe in violence or pacifism and pacifism, then what Dr. J did should be reprehensible. Right. Like, for some reason, these characters, like this is not, I'm, this is not my thesis statement. on <laughs> you, Like turn off your dot matrix printers. This is not the, the paper I'm, I'm putting forward from this. I'm just saying that, that, the way that the show treats them, it, it, even Trey's is less immune to consequences than these guys. Like they're, they, they, they at the end of this episode, they they are this close to saying, "Wow, we survived! Aren't we stinkers?" Like like they're they're basically that's basically exactly sort of like that. Um, so you know, um, Trant puts Hero in the Wing Zero Gundam. Yeah. Um, and his intention is to take down the the data of the Gundam pilots fighting mobile dolls using the Wing Zero system. Yeah. And while this is happening, Hero is thinking about what he was talking to Katra about earlier when they were discussing the zero system and how Katra, how Katra built a mobile suit with a super powered AI cockpit system and, and just didn't, just didn't even know. Didn't know. Didn't even fucking know about it. Um, mm, mm, delicious. So, uh, you know, he, he talks about how Katra admits that he's confused about the conflict. Now he doesn't really know, who his enemies are because of the way that, that Oz sided with the colonies and a lot of the stuff that Troa had to say. We didn't really go into Troa, the specifics of Troa's speech because it was really hard to follow. Um, but that is more or less what Troa had right. to say. Yeah. Um, and, and Hero, you know, for better or for worse, has a pretty straightforward understanding of the conflict as far as he gets it. It's like the people who mean to do you harm are your enemies. More or less is what he says. Yeah. Um, and so while he's he is in the zero suit and he is engaging in these exercises, in many ways, you could probably argue his his comfort zone, you know, the place where he is most comfortable, probably. Yep, probably. That's just why we, we you know, if, I, if I'm someone who's engaging with this text in a way that is in good faith, this is probably why we see him laughing after missions like that, right? Because this is like a, a big release for him. Um, and in this moment, he he realizes, he comes to a conclusion about who means him harm, Right. And the he it's the science creeps. The science creeps. Yep. And, and I'm sitting here like pretty explicit. Show I know what you mean is that this is driving Hero onto a rampage where he is he is attacking his allies instead of his enemies. But no, the zero system's right. Yeah, the zero system is right. The zero system is right. These men are are monsters yep. and deserve death. And they know it. That's the thing that, that, that is really confusing is that the show acknowledges that they know it. And that means the show knows it. But the show still wants us to think this is cool and bad. And, and that when Catra stops him, that, that Catra's doing the right thing. 
And, you know, I'll give Catcher this. Um, I won't give Catcher the Gundam is a mistake, a hilarious thing to say. Maybe he was talking about the show. No. Yeah, exactly. Catra, that's a rude thing to say about your own show. <laughs> um, uh, I will give Catra this, though. I do agree with him that the conflict, if the goal is to end the conflict, I don't think this is what Charles was saying, but I think Catra is correct to say that if the goal is to end the conflict, it can't just be one person going on a rampage in a mobile suit that ends it. And, and I think this is what you were sort of trying to get at, correct me if I'm wrong, hmm. earlier when you were talking about you know, if we're if we're being straightforward about this conflict, we can't just keep doing these rampages, right? We right. need to we need to start. We, it, it can't just be in that like Troa was re- expressing regret, like oh, we couldn't just take three super powered mobile suits and blow up a lunar base and expect things to be over, right? Th- this is the you know, I I I'm curious. I I should I now want to rewatch that speech because I don't know if Troa. The thing that's mm, anyway. So now. Katra and Hero are struggling and there is a the show wants us to be really impressed right because the I'm sorry I'm gonna interrupt you for a brief second sure please do please do please which is that I love 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 our I think what's our final scene of Trant where he is like look we cannot tell Tuvarov (laughs) that we put a Gundam pilot in the Gundam Gundam. and then it went on a rampage I agree I agree absolutely I I hope Trans back for more of this. I maybe. I but I, like that's so good. He's like, no, this was so stupid. We can't tell him we did this. I I am I am pleased to announce that Trant will return. Oh, that's um, good. Okay, uh, uh, but yes, I agree with you that <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> no, we we can't tell him we fucked up this bad. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> you never see the Oz or Roma Feller people um, act with that amount of like mindfulness of like, oh, we did fuck. Up. Yeah, this is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> this was so stupid. <laughs> So okay, so Catra has has boarded the Mercurius and is and is attempting to stop Hero and and again you know this is what I was going to say is that the show show wants you to admire how clever it is right because it's like oh last episode Hero in the Mercurius was trying to stop Catra in the Wing Zero but now Hero is in the Wing Zero and Catra in the Mercurius is trying to stop him isn't this storytelling mm-hmm. and it's like it rhymes it's like poetry yeah poetry stands as rhyme um so uh. Catra here, I have to talk to you about something, PMC, because it's something that really bothered me about Gundam Wing at this stage of its storytelling, and it's something that was really good about in the first half, and I'm surprised that it's so bad about it now. I think that it's bad that the pilots of these mobile suits and mechs uh, are able to just kind of like swap between suits, and there isn't really an appreciable difference in their piloting of each individual suit. I, I really don't like this. I think this... So this concept of um, pilots being able to swap suits is in my brain right now for extremely inappropriate reasons uh-huh. that may require too much of a tangent. Okay. But apparently, I will say this. This idea of pilots being able to swap suits more readily is considered almost a feature of some shows. Yeah. So this is what I was going to... Okay, yes. Yeah. And so the reason this is in my brain is because I was recently reading up about a crossover series of mech games called the Another Century's Episode. Yes. And in one of the games, you are able to swap pilots and suits, but only among those shows in which pilot and suit swapping is a thing. Right. 
how that relates to this, I'm not sure, but I didn't realize it was a thing. So that's a you know, that's a revelation. Well, so that's okay. So the reason I bring this up is because I think the opposite when done mindfully adds to the 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 weight of using a mech at all. Mm, yeah. Um and and again, you could use the opposite mindfully as well and 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 still do that very thing, right? If you and that's what I'm asking for here. So like Let's say that that Troa and Hero swapped the Mercurius and the V8, right? And when they did, we saw a an, a very obvious visual cue about the differences in pre- preferences in piloting. That would be enough for me. It's not that I need like um, you know, Link it, it, the, the the hero of time or the hero of that era is the only one who can draw the Master Sword. That's not what I'm asking for when it comes yeah. to piloting. But it's something like what we saw when Hero and Troa swapped suits back in 14 through 16. When Troa was like, "Oh, well, this is how I like the right arm because it's you know got the extra bit." I mean, that was that. I think we even remarked at the time that that was a bit of sort of mech stuff that we enjoyed. Right. I, I just felt like the, the we're at a stage where it's taken for granted, right? And that that our pilots are such savants that like fucking if i got into pmc's car right now i would have to fuck with it in order to be comfortable driving on the road because of these sorts of things that you need to take into account in order to safely drive and i cannot imagine that would not be true of a machine exponentially more complicated than a car like a mobile suit must be um and i just wish i think that the show suffers for it i i think the the mobile suits they they lack weight because of this and other factors and it contributes to a show where the mobile suits basically don't matter um so i guess we've come to it so uh where's relina so um we have here uh the wing zero and the mercurius the mercurius does an awesome thing here uh this is part of where i think the mercurius might be the perfect mobile suit (laughs) um you know, Katra is is grappling with the Wing Zero, and and in this state, he's able to construct a shield around the two of them, and in, and inform Hero, if you don't stop, I'm gonna blow myself up, and I'll just create this bubble that'll just be a a, a big old bomb bubble to keep us exploded and nothing else. Um, and so here in this moment, Katra is 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 begging Hero. He's like, we are allies. We shouldn't be fighting like this. We should return to the Earth. And figure out what are what we're doing, and and hero reacts. He he sees a, a, the spirit of Katra say something yeah. about being allies and how they shouldn't fight. And and hero we hear say it himself to communicate to us that it it he it broke through something yeah something of Katra whether it's his will or his spirit or or the, the his motivation what have you broke through to hero in some way. In a way that is explicit because Hero quotes him, right? Um, Hero also seems to physically feel the pain that Katra is under because we see him recoil in some way. It almost mm. looks like he gets sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, really. It does seem like he gets ill. And then the also like the Wing Zero also gets ill and vomits him. And vomits Hero out. <laughs> yeah. When Hero is vomited out, he is glowing. Yep. Um, and and in a I would call this a literal way um, because so something that's not uncommon in anime, especially in anime that are having like comedy sequences, is that sometimes the characters will enter into like a nebulous 
like comedy space. And often this will be like colorful or there'll be sparkles or shining. Like this is a, this is not an uncommon thing. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. This is not that, right? You would agree that this is not nope, that? This is a pretty serious moment. So Hero comes out and he's glowing and he's on the ground and he's glowing. And, and Catra also comes out of the Mercurius and we cut back and Catra is walking towards Hero and Hero's still glowing. And so I'm like, well, what happened? And, and so Catra approaches Hero. And, uh, and I, you know what? I skipped a step, actually, because right. Catra, before he leaves the Mercurius, yeah. Hero looks up at the Mercurius, and, and at first he sees Catra superimposed, but then later he sees Hero, or Relina superimposed uh, on, on the Mercurius, and, and he passes out, or something. And so Catra approaches, and Catra reaches down, and he touches Hero's chest. And when he does this, the glow disappears, and it, and it appears to attach itself to Catra's hand. And Catra brings it to his to his heart, to his chest, and he says, "Who is it? On who is it? Is it someone on Earth?" So, so what we as an audience understand is that Catra has picked something up that Hero is feeling from that glow, and and he has correctly guessed it's a person, and it can't be. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody knows about Relina but Duo, right? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. So, Catra has no reason to believe that Hero would be thinking about mm. a person at all. This can't be a wild guess. Yeah, yeah. It has to be something he's picking up from something. And the only thing it could be is that glow. PMC, what is that? Um, that's the director of Kata. I think, <laughs> right? I, I, I guess, like, yeah. uh, you know, off mic, I told PMC a story about, about Doctor Who. Um, and, and when the, the Russell T Davies run of Doctor Who ended, David Tennant was going to regenerate into the new doctor. And, and in that moment, the last line spoken by David Tennant's doctor is, I don't want to go. And many people at the time in the fandom, and, and I think there was, I, I can't, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, so you know what? I won't say. Many people in the fandom regarded this as kind of a fuck you to the next oncoming writing staff. Was this that? No? I feel like historically it's it's hard to know yeah. because I think the from what we've read and what we had learned in the very beginning of our podcast series is that it's really the director who changes. And, and maybe it's hard for us to, without examining all the credits to really see what the turnover would be in terms of other staff. Fair. Uh, so it's a possibility. It's hard to know. So is this something, do you think, as an audience, we were just supposed to accept as part of Catra's heart about her space stuff? Do you think? Because I think that's probably a fair take, yeah. Because I would describe this as outside of the realm of what I understand is possible in Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's unfair? I think so. I think that you're right. Okay. And but the thing I would also say is that we have frequently referenced how Gundam Wing is supposed to be a sort of uh, Gundam mishmash. Sure, good point. And it is a frequent thing where in like the final episode or two of, for example, the UC Gundam shows that you know in the final episode of Zeta Gundam or Double Zeta Gundam. It's a good point that 
wild space magic happens. No, totally. Excellent point. Honestly, like it's something I didn't consider when I was thinking about it, but I, I usually in my estimation, and I'm, I'm not saying this to refute because I think yeah. you, what you said is ex- is like exactly on point. I just feel like in those shows, they were better at, at leaving that in a space where it could have been just surreal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this was a little bit, it escaped from that. There is there's a, there's a symbolism here that works for me. Right. Where, um, the glow is the show's acknowledgement of the boy's trauma, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that Katra is like, there's a space where that that image could have worked for me, but the show is is employing it in such a way where this is a literal thing happening in the world. Yeah. It, do you think that's unfair to say? Or no, I think you're right. I think it's literal. Like yeah. it, and so that's where it fails for me. It's not that the image itself mm-hmm. of like some kind of burden that Katra is sharing with do. Uh, <laughs> hero hero uh is 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 bad i it, it's more just that the way they employed this was shocking i screamed at the screen when this happened yeah no i i was really taken aback as well um and i guess the the thing that i noted was that it i guess catcher's call for peace like and you know we could unpack this i guess reminded hero of relina um I think that's probably the simplest take, yeah. So I just don't want to... And like this is the line that they trace. This isn't me. Yeah. So, Hero hurts Catra. Catra begs for peace. This makes Hero think of Relina? What can I say except... Yikes. Yeah. That's... <laughs> like, I don't think it's a thing they're doing on purpose, right? I don't right. think they're saying like... No, I don't think it's, it's quite connected, but it does certainly, it certainly appears that way. Right. I just think when you lay it out... It, as it happens it's just like um so uh catcher blows up the mercurius and it looks like it destroys a part of the lunar base some amount of lunar base but it definitely doesn't destroy wing zero yeah it definitely and it doesn't kill the science or the science creeps who like i say they we survived again aren't we stinkers and so did this guy hey he he literally says so did this guy oh it's their buddy or something right right um so they they dr j is pretty adamant in believing that the gundam boys can overcome the, the the limitations of their psyche that are preventing them from taking advantage of the zero system. Um, and as an adult human person, uh, I ask why we should be invested in that. And rather, you know, I feel like the, the final bosses of the show should be these science creeps. Um, but, you know, I, it, it seems like Gundam Wing and I have a different point of view on what the moral thing to happen in this show should be yeah yeah. um you know uh so we here we are at the end of the the era of the first half of gundam wing man i i feel like you know i I want to almost get into like sum up feelings but that's probably a better topic for the recap yeah i think recap might be a good place for Uh, that i think that we should and we'll talk about this off air and of course we'll keep you guys updated at uh, machinationspod at twitter.com but the uh uh, the thing that I, I'm struggling with is that there will be new material in the recap episode, yeah. but so little so as to demand that we we do something else. I'm almost tempted to say we should just do those two and then whatever the next episode right. is yeah. the next time we talk about Gundam Wing. Probably. Um, but um, I think we should also at that point sum up our feelings on I really want to lay out like the 
what happened in these first 26 episodes and figure out if it's because like I don't know about you but right now I'm having a hard time putting it out in my mind in a big picture sort of way where it was like first this then this then this then this then this like I I almost can't do that uh, because of how you know how much it's it's zeros in on random specific moments and how those are resolved and then to no end it, like and and how ideas are introduced but abandoned at the beginning of the next episode and then picked up five or six episodes down the way after things have traversed already um you know will Gwinter ever return a true question probably not um this has been when I suggested Gundam Wing yes um before we we began machinations uh the the reason i suggested gundam wing was because i thought it would be like an easy watch my assumption was that this was going to be stupid but in a way that he-man is stupid yeah. or or transformers is stupid even like like the you know uh, it, it, i that's and and gundam wing it, it challenges in in this first half of the show because it it trades in ideas that are too big for its britches and and refuses to stop like it, it it is constantly trying to it is it is like someone on twitter that you follow who constantly shares bad opinions and is educated on why those opinions are bad um but doesn't alter their mm, point of view yeah ever even though they acknowledge that that point of view is bad and they know it but they don't change um and gundam wing's first half is very much like that with the occasional fun character nonsense and and i'm curious now how much of my perception of the show as i remembered it when i introduced this as a, as a topic for our our podcast mm-hmm. is actually informed by the second half of the show yeah i'm i'm sitting here at the end of the first half wondering oh i think the reason i don't remember any of the things from this half is because the next half probably just makes more sense yeah I, I think that's probably likely. I, and that's kind of where if you wanted to put a flag down somewhere the next time we talk about this. And, and this means guaranteed I will be wrong, by the way, because at least going off of track record, I, I wouldn't be surprised if when because that's what I think we're going to start talking about the terrorist organization uh, that will come into play later yeah yeah another faction we haven't even met yeah i know i've seen that term i've seen the words um Um. so you know it's 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 i'm wondering just how things go from here and uh i i'm you know i've always been a defender of this show i've always felt like it's gotten a bad rap yeah um i i i feel like now that it it like as far as its substance goes it's it's even worse than people talk about in a lot of ways yeah like i think when we had discussed this idea of the show getting an unfair rap our concern was that because some of its elements uh the sort of boy band nature of it might cater to uh, demographics whose interests are seen as lesser right that it was getting an unfair rap because of that and perhaps there are people who dislike it for those reasons who are still wrong. Yeah, definitely that still contributes, even if that's not the main problem. It but still contributes. The there the substance is bad. The substance is also not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. So so next time, um, we'll we will be dealing with the recaps. Uh, and there will be a little bit of new content. I've already looked ahead, and there's definitely at least one yeah. thing that's introduced. 
And and we'll probably do at least one more episode, is my guess. Right. Um, but when that happens depends on our, you know, what our our destiny is when Stephen Hero returns from his long journeys. And of course, we will keep you updated as we previously stated. Yep. Any any uh, any final thoughts from twenty five and twenty six you wanted to share? Um, what can we put the science groups on trial already? Yeah, really though. Please. I, the only thing I want to say is a uh, long live Lieutenant Tran. Catra versus Hero and the eternal flame of shooting stars. Hero and Catra fight. In the process of the battle, Tura sacrifices himself in order... Don't give me that look like I said... What did you say? I said Troa. Okay. I said Troa. Don't give me that look like I mixed up the names. (laughs) Okay. Should I start over or should I just Just keep going? Just go. It's fine. You you made me... You you, you (laughs) drew the rug out from under me about the names, man. You're killing me. To prevent Catra from destroying the colony and Hero. Meanwhile, Tuberoff has finished the construction of a mobile doll factory on the moon, and Roma Feller is poised on, uh, to, being, to beginning the process of taking over the Earth's sphere. Before all of Roma Feller, Trace makes a speech. Fuck, man, you've killed me on the names. I totally <laughs> wrote Trace here, but I was like, wait. <laughs> all right, hold on. I'm going to start over. You're going to start over? I'm okay. going to start over. All right. You All can right. include this at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, can yeah, include yeah, this at the yeah. end. I'm going to start over. 